Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Hey, I want to start a new series today, and uh, the title of it is going to be Rock Solid. Now, my wife wanted me to play that 80s song, Solid, Solid as a Rock, and I like that song when it was out, and I don't like it today, so, so we're not going to do that, but... Um, I want to do, uh, I don't know if it'll be one week, three weeks, I'm not really sure, but this story today, I'm going to, today I'm basically going to just teach the intro to this series because my wife says, just teach the intro and you'll, you'll be fine. So I'm just going to kind of introduce the series today. The series comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, which is really at the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. So if you read in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are really the expanded version of Jesus' probably most famous teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a kind of a Cliff's Notes version in Luke chapter 6, but but Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the... the, Let's go back to the main main, uh, page. uh, Go back to the title. Yeah, David Smith made that. Let's give David a hand. It looks really super good. I basically had the word rock and solid, and he made that. So, amazing. Unbelievable. So, uh, the teaching of being rock solid talk is really going to talk about your foundation. And it comes at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. So, as Jesus refers to the teachings at the end, we're going to go work backwards and kind of pull teachings out of the Sermon on the Mount that, that really will help you build a solid life. And so we're going to start with Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look today at the Jesus tells a story at the very end. Oh, by the way, if you're kids and you want to go downstairs, we have a kids' church. If you want to go down for that, youth and, uh, youth and uh, elementary. So if you didn't know that, you're welcome to go downstairs. So Jesus tells this story of two guys, and you know, we, one is uh, he refers to as a wise man, the other as a fool. Anybody know a fool? Everybody knows a fool, right? You look at the person to your left say, are you a fool? You a fool. Is he talking to you? Is he talking to you? Maybe you need to get a mirror. Look at a mirror out. So he, he talks about a guy that's a wise builder and, and a foolish builder. And, and a lot of times people will look at the differences between the two, and there are some differences. Obviously, one built his house uh, on the rock, the other built his house on the sand. The one guy's house, when the storm came, it withstood it, and it lasted, and the other one just completely collapsed and was a total disaster. And we look at those differences, but today I really want to look at three similarities uh, because there, there's three things that are very consistent and similar between the two men although we're going to touch on some of the differences as we go, but they start out completely the same. They start out completely the same. And I'll just give them to you up front. So, so the first one is going to be aspirations. They, all, they both had the same desire to build. Aspirations. They were similar in their aspirations. They both had a desire to build. Education. They both sat under Jesus' teaching. They had the same, they listened to the same message. They listened to the same teaching. And finally, situation is they both experienced the same storm. So these guys, they had the same desire to build. 
They listened to the same teaching, and they both experienced the same storm, but obviously they had two completely different outcomes. And so we're just going to kind of set the stage today for uh, what it means to have a rock-solid life. Because nobody wants to have a life that ends in disaster. I don't think anybody sets out saying, I want my life to be a complete failure. At least, I don't know of anybody. Now, if you've experienced failure, it's okay. We can rebuild. There's always, there's always restoration. There's always rebuilding. God's a master at that. But we want to start out thinking about finishing well. So let's just read from Matthew chapter 7. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, it's Matthew 7, verse 24. And if not, it will be on the screen behind you. Matthew 7, 24, and we're going to read through verse 27. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was it. Father, I just ask today as we just take a few moments and look at this passage, Lord, that we have our hearts open to you, we have our ears open, and the Holy Spirit, you would just speak truth and life and revelation to each person here today, that we may grow. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing, aspiration. Both men had the same desire to build. So what were they looking to build? Both these guys set out to build a what? A house. Now, aspiration, uh, if you think, what, what does that mean? It means a desire to do something great. You don't set out to build a house. I mean, that's a big deal. Building a house is a big deal. You know, not, probably none of us in here know how to actually build a house from the ground up, except maybe Don Ward. If I had to pick one person, probably Don's done it. Almost, almost. I mean, I've done a little bit of, you know, and, and back in the day, I'm getting old enough that I can say back in the day now, but that's bad. But back in the day, uh, when we bought our first house, I've, I've, I've wired electric outlets, I've done drywall, I've mud, uh, I've done a little bit of everything, but honestly, I've never built a house. Wouldn't even know where to start. And I can read a little bit of a set of blueprints. But these guys set out with the same aspirations. We want to do something great. We have a desire to do something great. We want to build a house. And when you look at through the Bible and you see the word house, house can mean a number of different things. So you're like, what does this house represent? So if you look even through the Old Testament, and you might see that sometimes the word house can mean a nation. If you think back in the Old Testament, the house of Israel. So house can represent a nation. A house can represent a family or even a family dynasty or, or lineage. If you read when, when David was coming up as a young guy and Saul was king, it says that there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David. 
We know that Jesus was of the house and lineage of David. So sometimes it represents a, a family or a heritage. Uh, the word house can also re represent in the Old Testament the temple was called the house of what? House of God. In the New Testament, the church is the house of God, right? So uh, we see all those things. House can also mean a building that you live in, your home, a place that you dwell or to live in. So when we're reading this story, we need to know what house are we talking about building? I think when we're looking at this story, Jesus is talking about building a life. And when you're building a house, in this context, you're building a life. And Jesus wants you to be able to build a life that lasts. Build a life that will withstand the test and the trials that are going to come just as a natural course of things happening. And what do we have to do to build that? Well, so both these guys start out with the same aspiration. And a lot of times people think, well, isn't it prideful to, to want to have dreams and plans? I think all of us have some sort of desire. Uh, some of you have a desire maybe to build a home, a family. Uh, any single ladies here? No, single men. Any single men? All right, you two can't talk to each other. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's off limit. But maybe you have a desire to, to build a home, to have kids, to build a family. You might have a desire to build, build a business. Maybe you have a desire to, to build a ministry. Maybe you have a desire just to, to, just to build a better life, become a better person, improve your living situation, whatever it is. It's not wrong to have dreams and desires. God wants you to have dreams and desires. God gives you dreams and desires. Sometimes think, well, I don't want to. I don't. I don't, I don't want to want something. Well, God wants you to desire things. God puts those desires there. And I like what David says in Psalm chapter twenty, verse verse four. He says, "May God grant you your heart's desires and make your plans succeed." So God. Sometimes we think, well, if I have this desire, God's going to cause me to fail, or God's no. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to to fulfill the thing that, that's in your heart to do. And sometimes we think, well, it's okay to have a dream, but not a big dream. God wants you to dream big. There's nothing unbiblical or unscriptural or unchristian of having a big dream. Think about in Mark chapter 9, I love this, in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 to 35, here's the, here's the situation. Guys are walking down the street. We've got the 12 apostles, and they're, they're going back and forth. And, and uh, one says, hey, Jay, I'm better than you are. And Jay says, oh, no, I'm 48. I definitely got you because I'm younger than you are, Fred. And then Phil says, oh, no, I'm, I'm younger than all of you. But I, and then Fred says, oh, no, Phil, I can do more push-ups than you. So I, I'm, yeah. Well, well, I've laid hands on five blind eyes, and they've opened. Yeah, well, I've raised somebody from the dead. And, 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 and these disciples are just going back and forth, arguing over what? Who's the greatest? It says, when he was in the house, he asked them. So Jesus is just kind of, you know Jesus, he's just kind of walking, he's listening, he's like, oh, here they go again. Here they are. Who's the greatest? Who's the best? Who's the biggest? Who's the baddest? So when he gets to the house, he says, what were you argue, arguing about on the road? 
But they kept quiet on the way because they'd argued about who was the greatest. So all of a sudden they're like, oh, I shouldn't have a big dream like that. I shouldn't even be thinking about who's the best. And what I really find interesting here, Jesus does not rebuke them for their desire. He doesn't rebuke the disciples for wanting to be great. He doesn't even rebuke them from arguing over who's the greatest. He merely gives them instruction on how to get there. He doesn't say, you bunch of no good, arrogant, I gave you all this anointing and all you want to do is argue over who's the best. He didn't say that. What did he say? He said, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to lead a ministry, if you want to lead anything, you need to do what? Serve. If you want to go up, you need to go down. If you want to go high, you need to go low. He never checked them for wanting to have a great desire to do something. Because he embraces that. But what he does do, he tells you how to get there the right way. If you want to succeed, you need to serve. If you want to be first, you need to be last. Humility. Go low. Be brought to the front of that class. Be brought to the head of the table. Take the seat in the back. Let somebody bring you forward. But he doesn't discourage their desire. So these two guys set out with the same aspiration, the same desire to build, the same want to do something great. Same aspiration. Second thing is they set, they had the same education. Next slide. Both men listened to the same teaching. Jesus says that one man, he said, heard these sayings of mine. And the other man heard these sayings of mine. If you're a parent, did you ever, if you, have, if you had two or more kids, have you ever raised your kids and you give them the exact same teaching, the exact same training, the exact same instruction, and do you get the same result? <laughs> no. Resounding no. Autumn says, what? Heck no. <laughs> no. You, 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 don't, you didn't get the same result. If you ever led a ministry, it's the same thing here. How many ever people are here today, you could hear the exact same message as the person next to you, and they go out completely changed, and you go out the same. Same message, same messenger, same teaching. If you're in the home, let me speak to you for a minute. I've seen this time and time again. I can see two people stand up here on graduation day. If we have a day when we had two or three graduate the same day, they give the same testimony, they've been through the same training, the same everything. One goes out and, and lives a successful life, the other goes out and collapses. But it was consistent. Both of these men listened to the teaching of Jesus. Now imagine this, if they were here, to, if they lived today, these guys would go to the best church. They were evangelical Christians. They would go to the best church with the best pastor. You know why? Because Jesus was the one doing the teaching. So there was no miscommunication. There was no 
uh, pulling Scripture out of context to use it the way he wanted to, my gosh, he was the Word. And when he says that they heard his sayings, that word is logos, which is the same when it says in the beginning was the logos, Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here's the very Word of God that breathed the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, interpreting the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, perfectly exegeting every passage, and you get two different results. It wasn't the teacher. It wasn't the Word. And they simply say, well, if I had a better role model, if I just had somebody that could, could, could preach better than Pastor Fred, or could teach better than, 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 than whoever, who's teaching Wednesday? Andy. If I could just give me a better teacher, a better preacher, a better, a better whatever, well, these guys had the best. But one was wise and one was foolish. Look at this. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7 in the, the Passion Translation. Look what it says. Here's why. Next slide. It says, everyone who hears my teaching, because here's what I want to give you. What was the difference between the wise and the fool? Now, you can look up a lot of definition of wisdom and fool if you can read Proverbs, or if you read Proverbs, you'll hear a lot of definitions. I want to give you Jesus' definition. Listen to this. Everyone who hears my teaching and does what? Applies it to his life can be compared to a wise man. Everyone who hears my teaching and does not do what? Apply it to his life can be paired to a foolish man. Here's the difference. Is applying scriptural truth to the realities of your life. Wisdom is your willingness to apply scriptural truth to the realities of your life. So if wisdom is the is your willingness to apply scriptural truth to the reality of your life, what is foolishness? It's your refusal to apply scriptural truth to the realities of your life. Next slide. I can get it up, you can see it in writing. Your willingness to apply scriptural truth to the realities of your life, wisdom. It's not that the guys didn't have the same teaching. The wise man, the foolish man, got the exact same teaching, the exact same scripture, the exact same explanation. There was one difference. One applied it, and one didn't. The guy that applied it was considered wise. Bless you. The guy that didn't apply it was considered foolish. And you think about being foolish. You, you could probably fool me, although I've been around the block a little bit. But you know who you're not going to fool? You're not fooling God. You know who you're really fooling? yourself. You're really fooling yourself. James chapter 1 says it this way. It says, be hearers of the word and not doers. I'm sorry. Strike that. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Doing what? Deceiving your own self. 
Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that observes his natural face in the mirror and does what? Forgets what he saw. Right? So if you, if you read this in other translations, it literally means I'm going to look into God's word as like a mirror. And when I look in God's word, I actually see the way God sees me. Passion Translation says that you look into God's Word, you see how God sees you, and then you forget your divine origin. Because you look in here, and the, the Word says you're righteous. The Word says you've been made holy. The Word you says you've been set apart. The Word says you're, that you're a royal priesthood. And then you go out and live like the world. See, you look into the mirror of God's Word. See, when you get up this morning, how many people looked in a mirror? My wife looked in the mirror because I always know she goes, my gosh, look at these gray hairs. <laughs> right? And then the very next thing I hear is, <laughs> you know what that is? Hair paint. <laughs> and then the third thing would be, when are you going to start dyeing your hair? It's like, I feel like it's Groundhog Day every day. Look at these gray hairs. <laughs> when are you going to start dyeing your hair? And then it starts all over next day. And then next week. It's just, I'm never dying my hair. But when I get up this morning, I looked in the mirror, I saw, my, I saw my gray hair. Right now, I don't see it, and I actually think I look 30 years old. Like, be, I do. I, I can't tell you. Like, we met up with, uh, with Seth and Evie last night, and I'm looking at Seth thinking, I look about Seth's age. I, I can hang with Seth. Seth's a cool guy. He's got the cool beard and he's young and Evie's young and hip and, and, and that's how Kristen and I look. Yes. Declare it to be so. Until I look in the mirror. But see, I forgot what I looked like when I looked in the mirror because I went away from it. And I started acting some way different than what I saw in the mirror. Because if I acted the way I should act when I look in the mirror, I'd do what my wife says and I'd probably dye my hair. But I'm not going to. But see, we do the same thing. We look in the Word, we see what we are, who we are in Christ, and we get a picture of that, and then we walk away and forget our divine origin. We forget that we were made in His image, holy, righteous, set apart, forgiven forever, and then we go live in sin. You can sit at the feet of Jesus all day long and still be a fool. See, I get sick and, I don't say sick and tired, but people are like, oh, I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I just want to fit at Jesus' feet. Well, you can sit at Jesus' feet for the next 365 days and still be a fool. If you don't apply what He says. See, eventually you've got to stand up and walk out the door. And you've got to say, okay... I've got a little, I've got some, some medicine here, and it says uh, topical application only. We don't need it. What do we do? We apply it. You've got to apply what you learn, because if you don't apply what you learned, it just becomes 
information. See, a lot of people are really good at making a point of studying God's Word, coming to church. I listen to five podcasts a week. I've read through the Bible ten times. Well, how many times has the Bible been through you? You know, we, we, we make a, a big thing about, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm reading the Word. If you don't apply it, it just becomes pride. I can introduce you to a number of people that can quote passage, Scripture reference, and they know the Word, but they use it to defend their lifestyle. Or they use it to, to beat you up with what you're doing or not doing. You need to take some time and apply it to your own life. i got my own foundation to work on. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.1, he says, Knowledge puffs you up with what? Oh, look at me. I've got a I've got an MDiv. I've got my Master in Divinity. I've got my doctorate in theology. Well, you could be a doctorate fool. You could be an MDiv fool. I don't care how much education you have or degrees you have or how many times you read the Bible. If you don't apply it to your life, you're a fool. You're deceiving yourself. It leads to pride. It just puffs you up. I got this. I know what I'm doing. And pride's a one-way street downhill. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride comes before what? Destruction. It all begins at applying the Word. My education and my teaching and my training doesn't get applied to my life. I'm going to become deceived. I'm going to become prideful. I'm going to end up a mess. So these guys had the same aspirations. They both set out to build a house. They sat under the same teaching. They had the same education. Finally, they experienced the same storm. Same situation. If anybody's ever told you, hey, come to Jesus, things will be great. Come to Jesus and you'll never have a trial in your life. That's a lie. Sometimes storms are, are literal. Sometimes figurative. Just because the wise guy applied Jesus' teachings to his life and the foolish guy didn't, it says the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew on both of them. See, the wise guy wasn't immune to the storm. And think about it. The rains are coming down, the waters are coming up, and the winds are blowing. They're getting hit from every direction. 
I've been through a flood. I'm going to give a little hint here. 25 years ago this weekend. Some of you weren't even alive. But it was 1996. I was 25 years old. And in January, we had just had about, we had a three-foot snow early in the month. We got another six or eight inches that week. It was this, it was January 19th. It was this weekend 25 years ago. And on January 19th, the temperature came up to 60 degrees. And it rained several inches in a matter of two hours. And Wills Creek, if you know where Motor City is, I'm, my, my parents are in Florida. I'm 25 years old. And I've never sent anybody home from work ever. And I'm really hesitant to do it that day. But I'm going out back. Wills Creek gets in higher, keeps getting higher, keeps getting higher. 10.30 in the morning, I remember calling my dad. I'm like, I don't know what to do. He goes, send them home. So I sent everybody home. 10.30, and I ran up. You know where the train trestle is? Uh, up uh, goes from 36 and Route 40. It's like the first iron rail in the United States. I went up on that train bridge, and I watched as Wills Creek came up six feet above the road and took away everything that I ever knew existed in our business. And I stood there and watched and I'm looking across both sides of the street. And on one side of the street, we have uh, what's now the Buick GMC store, which at the time was the Pontiac Cadillac store. It's concrete block, block, good foundation, solid building. And on the other side of the street, we had a trailer. I'm going to tell you what one didn't make it. The trailer didn't make it. That trailer had been a great building. We sold a lot of cars out of that building for years. And here's what I learned on that day. And I even looked across the, the river, and there was another used car lot, and the guy had his building. It was just on a slab. And I watched the entire house just go right down Wills Creek and on into the Potomac. What I realized, your foundation is not revealed until the storm comes. See, the storm's the differentiator. The storm comes to both guys. See, I wasn't like excluded from the storm, but the storm reveals the strength of the foundation but I don't know the strength of the foundation until the storm comes. Because that, that trailer had served its purpose. And if you know anything about trailers, they're, 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 not, they're not on a foundation. They're just on wheels. You put a little metal around the bottom to kind of cover up the wheels that are still on there. There's no foundation. It's just sitting on the ground. One building stood, one building didn't. But we didn't know the strength of the foundation until the storm came. It's the same in your life. I see a lot of people jump ship when a storm comes. I see a lot of people crap out, jump out, get out, freak out. But, you know. 
you'll have a storm. I'm not prophesying doom and gloom because I believe God's best is always for you. But the fact is, you're going to have storms. You might have storms in your physical body. It, it, it could be a health issue. It could be in your marriage. It could be with your kids. We've got a storm going on in our nation. We've got a health crisis going on in our nation. Sometimes they're, they're at your home. Sometimes they're regional or global. But there will be storms. And the storm will reveal the strength of your foundation. I've had storms, Krista and I, have had, we've had storms in our marriage. And when other people would have said, forget it, we've got one thing that's sure at the end of the day, and that's Jesus. And if it wasn't for Jesus, we would have probably done what everybody else in this world does, or most people do. But the foundation's got to be solid. I want to read this in Luke chapter 6. Let's go to the next slide. This is the other version of this. It says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listen to my teaching, and follows it. It's like a person building a house who, say this, digs deep. And lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. You'll never build a life greater than your foundation. Think about a skyscraper. Do you think they just put a skyscraper on Fifth Avenue in New York and put it right on the street? No. They dig deep. They dig real deep. You got to go down before you go up. See, what happens a lot of times, we, we start, well... We hear some teaching, we apply it. We're walking in obedience. We hear some more teaching, we apply it. We're walking in obedience. And we're, we're starting to dig that foundation. And you know what we hit? We hit a rock. But it's not the rock. It's not the bedrock. And maybe that rock is you're like, nah, I don't really want to dig around this one. I think I'll just settle right here. I think I'll just, I, I, I dug two feet down, and I hit some rock. It's, I can see the edge of it. I don't really want to spend the time digging it out. I think I'll just put my foundation right here on this rock. That rock isn't going to stand. So you got to dig deep. Sometimes we plant our rock, well, that's what's popular. It's culturally popular. I, I don't want to dig that rock out because that's what's popular. Or it's what's culturally acceptable. Or it's what's politically correct. Or it's what my parents taught me when I was a kid. It's, it's, it's my tradition. You've got to get beyond all those rocks. You've got to dig deep. 
you got to get down to where you hit the bedrock. See, if you look up this word rock, it's the word Petra. Petra can mean, it, it, it means a rock that protrudes or a cliff or a jagged edge. But a cliff or a protruding rock or a jagged edge just doesn't like sit there. It's connected to the bedrock. It comes all the way up. It's the same rock, the same word Jesus used when, when he says to Peter, he says, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter said, well, some people say John the Baptist, some people say Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, well, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, and I say to you, you are Peter, which is Petros, which means a small rock or piece of the rock. You are Peter, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. Jesus says, on the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, I'm going to build my church. And if Jesus chooses to build on the revelation of Jesus, why do we think we could build on any other revelation? Why do we think we could build on any other philosophy or tradition? Because you've got to dig deep. You've got to get down to the bedrock. To where the things start. And that's where you put the foundation. I just remembered, I, I have sort of built a house, an outhouse. Does that count? 15 years old. I went on a missions trip to Brazil for seven weeks. Some of you have seen my picture in my loincloth. David likes to show once in a while, but. While I was there, part of the team got to build the medical house, which had a foundation and brick and walls. Somehow I got picked to build the outhouse. Now the outhouse isn't really fun to build. You, you dig a hole, and the hole is to poop in, and then you build a little shelter around it so people aren't exposed when they're in there, and that was my job. But guess what the outhouse didn't have? It didn't have a foundation. It had no foundation. These people are always trying to push it over. But here's what I want to tell you. All too often we want a skyscraper life built on an outhouse foundation. It's not going to work. He says, anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the flood sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. It's sure. You will collapse. You can know all the Bible in the world. You can memorize all the scripture you want to memorize. Listen to all the podcasts you want to listen to. Sit at the feet of Jesus worship, do all that, but if you don't apply God's Word to your life, you will collapse. Not the pastor, not the teacher, not your Hope Home director, it's you applying what you learn to your life. Jesus says the wise man applies the Word, digs deep, 
lays a foundation in a bedrock, and when the storm comes, when it comes, you're going to last. You're going to stand. You're going to withstand it. See, it's Jesus wants you to build a life that's going to last. I want you to build a life that's going to last. But I can't build your life. You can't build my life. You're not going to build a life just coming to church on Sunday morning and hearing a 30-40 minute message. You got to get in the word, you got to apply the word, you got to be diligent at it. You got to dig deep. You got to look at rocks and say is this rock the bedrock or is this rock a no good rock? See, and when you're when you think about this digging deep implies pulling something out and putting something else in. Right? You can't get to the bedrock until you remove what's in the way. Some of you have some things in your life you need to get out of the way. So you've had these rocks that are between you and a solid life, a solid foundation. So I want to finish this question today. Next slide. Go on to the next slide. What are you building your life on? What are you building your life on? Paul said there's no foundation anyone can lay except that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only sure thing in life. You're building your foundation on, on your job, it's going to fail. You're building your foundation on your friends, they're going to fail you. You're building it on money, if you're building it on on your political party, if you're building it on your ethnicity, if you're building it on anything other than Jesus, it's not going to withstand the storm. He's the only foundation that's going to last. Let's pray. So I want you just to, just as you bow your head, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you teaching me today? What do you want me to take from this teaching today? I don't want to just sit here and give you information that you can just make some cute notes and go home. I want you to say, Lord, what can I apply to my life today? What have I been building my life on? What am I going to continue to build my life on? Here's what I know. When the storm comes, it's too late to build the foundation. So you build the foundation when the sun's shining, not in the midst of the storm. So first I want to ask you, if you don't know Jesus, say, I've never made a decision for Jesus. I've never put my faith and trust in Him. I want to do that today. If that's you, just want you to slip your hand up. I won't embarrass you. Just give me a little. Just slip your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Let you know that God loves you. That's you today. Don't know Jesus as your Savior. Don't know that your sins are forgiven. Don't know that if God forbid something happened, that you would spend eternity in heaven with Him. I just want to pray for you.
Next, I just want to ask you this. If you're here today, I just want you to slip your hand up. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I need to, I need to either tear down the foundation I've been building or I need to strengthen the one I've already started. If that's you. I just want to pray for you today. Slip your hand up. We're going to just pray, pray collectively as a group. Your hands all over. Father, I just, I want to speak the solid rock of Jesus' name over this church family today. That this church, this ministry, each person here today, Lord, you see their hearts, those hands that are lifted, those hands that are not. Lord, you know their hearts. They're not fooling you. They're not putting their hands up for me. They're acknowledging, I want to build a firm foundation in life. I want to take the teachings of Jesus and apply them to my life. Lord, I just pray that if that's the sincere desire of each person here today, Lord, that you would just take the word, drive it deep into their heart. Lord, I stand against any attack, any attempt of the enemy to steal what was sown today. Lord, I just believe your word that says it will bear fruit. And I believe that. Father, we love you. And I just praise you and thank you today for your word. And for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. If you're here today, if you need, if you need prayer, listen, all of us need prayer at some point in time in our life. If you need prayer, you want prayer, you want somebody to stand in agreement with you, uh, we'll be here to pray for you after church. We'll be up front. Feel free to come up, and uh, we'd love to pray for you. Other than that,